Hello and welcome to another episode of ESPN Scrum Reset. I'm your host, Brittany Mitchell, again for another week chatting all things rugby. And like usual, I am joined by uh, our uh, guest, Christy Doran. I think uh, you're a bit of a where in the world is Carmen San Diego, but a rugby version. And this week you are joining us from uh, the Apple Isle in Tasmania. How are you going, Christy? Yeah, great to join you guys. I'm good, thank you. Beautiful conditions down in Tassie. I'll tell you what, there's not been too many wallabies from Tasmania. I think the last might have been Adam Coleman and I. Maybe someone can correct me, but anyone that listens to the podcast from Tasmania, shout out, please enlighten us. Luke, Luke Burgess lives down there, yeah, Christy? Old Tars 9. Does he? Does, mate. Great, great. Uh, good-looking rooster. He is. If you need a few coffee tips, mate, send him a... A text, but someone of your caliber, mate. I'm sure you know where to go already. Don't <laughs> the black swan, I'll tell you. The black swan that is a great, great uh, stomping ground. And uh, again, we are joined by former Brumby, uh, Lockie McCaffrey. Lockie, how are you going? He's also on the road, joining us from all the way down the New South Wales coast of Naruma. Lockie, how are you going? Can't complain, guys. It's uh, yeah, beautiful down the south coast. Just another reason why everyone should live in Canberra. Um, but no, good to good to join you guys again. That's great. Well, we'll kick it all off with the most recent news, and that is Marika Corambetti was named the John Eels medalist for the 2022 season. You might not be aware of it because there was no uh, awards night. There was no pomp and ceremony this time around. It was just a simple email to media types and a few Instagram and Twitter posts. So congratulations, Marika, on a uh, great 2022 season. But it does bring us to a talking point of why did Rugby Australia choose to announce the 2022 season award recipients in such, I guess, strange way. A few Twitter releases, a few Instagram posts, and that's how we were. We found out the Super Rugby Player of the Year, Try of the Year, Women's Player of the Year, all those awards. And they weren't even, uh, I guess, a few weeks. It was scattered. There was no, um, I guess, timed release with these all. And it does beg the question of what was RA's decision around this and and uh, why? Christy, your thoughts on on uh, their decision to announce Marika, the John Eels medal in this way? Oh, look, I, I wrote a pretty strong column today for the Raw, really criticising it. I thought it was completely lazy, firstly. Uh, how, how does a John Eels medalist get named six months after um, or five months after the, the most recent test match, we're, we're midway through the 2023 Super Rugby season. All the Super Rugby franchises are desperate to get as much coverage and push and direction towards the Super matches, not to last year's John Eels medalist. And we've been dragging this on for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, look, it, it comes down to a few things. I think a little bit of his laziness bit of an oversight. Uh, it wasn't a priority. Yes, it was a long, drawn-out couple of years and, and players, administrators, coaches, they need a break, but it just wasn't really put in the diary, I don't think. It wasn't a, 
guys, this is a glamour night that people have got to get to. We've got the Women's World Cup to celebrate. We've got uh, a, a sevens program that's really successful at the moment. We've got a Brumby side that's carrying the flag at the moment for Australia Super Rugby teams. We've got an out, you know, we've got coaches doing good things as well. Uh, you know, we got told a couple of months ago when a lot of questions were being asked about it, look, it's a new approach uh, and we're going to, you know, drip feed this one after the other. And it, it's about, you know, giving everyone some presence, some relevance, some time, some space, some coverage into each of the recipients. And we all looked at each other going, look, let's be honest, as good as a Lalakai Fiketi try is, no one's writing a story or really talking about last year's best try scorer. This was an incompetent decision, and it's it's the latest in the series of blunders, including last week's decision to have players rocking up in casual kit, including you know rugby league jerseys from the you know the other code from your, your highest paid player in Australia. It's mind boggling when you're trying to sell a product to not just rugby fans, but to the wider Australian sporting audience. It was a head scratcher. Mm, definitely. And I think it, it, as a player, Lockie, don't you want to have that night at the end of the season where you all come together and you celebrate your achievements? Isn't that something, just some acknowledgement, sit down, have a dinner and everyone come together and, and celebrate? Like you can't imagine AFL or NRL ever doing away with their awards nights. Their, their awards nights are the pinnacle. You have the, the red carpets. People even talk about what their, you know, wives and girlfriends are wearing. And you have RA who, uh, who've gone away and, and, you know, made this weird decision and, and drip free feeding it through social media. Yeah, of course. It's, it's been a blunder behind the scenes somewhere. And I don't think anyone from RA would have done it on purpose. It's just been, um, They've prioritised other things um, and and forgot about this one. Players don't play for these type of you know awards, and it, and it's just credit to Marika that um, you know I guess the recognition for he would make that wing position in any international team in the world. So um, I think everyone knows that within the rugby circles, um, he had a great year for for the Wallabies, um, and it's really good recognition for him. On an individual note. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what, what's happened behind the scenes. I don't have enough insight there, um, into, into terms of what's happened, but yeah, it's, it's a bit of a shame that, um, I guess we, you know, we haven't given him the, the recognition that the award really holds. Mm, definitely. I think it's Brit, Brit, I think it's just important to say that often this award is, is handed out, delivered, awarded before a spring tour and and it changed with the 2019 World Cup but it, and that was funnily enough Marika Corabetti's maiden John Ewell's medal which was a couple of weeks after the World Cup Michael Checker rocks up you know he was the outgoing Wallabies coach didn't leave in particularly good terms so so it's not unprecedented despite the fact that there was a lot going on and out a Wallabies coach that was on the nose it's, it wasn't unprecedented for these sorts of things to occur, but the show's got to roll on. And Lockie opened up there by saying, yes, the players don't play for these sorts of things, and they certainly don't. But we've got to acknowledge Marika Corabetti being uh, not just a, a fabulous wallaby, world-class, one of the few world-class players Australia has had over the last four years consistently 
quality. Um, yes, he might not have been able to be in attendance because he's playing up in Japan uh, and has for a couple of years and clearly the season runs from, from January uh, through to the end of May. But he's, you know, there's a lot of other awards and it goes community people as well, the referees. Uh, it's not just the John Ewers medalist that, 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 that gets something. Uh, it's a celebration of rugby and those sorts of things can't be lost. Mm-hmm. Of course. And, you know, like was mentioned, you said the the try, the try of the year, things like that, but lost along the way was also the Wallaroos player of the year uh, and the Super W player of the year. The, these names got lost and, and it's just unfortunate that, you know, some of these people aren't getting the acknowledgement that they deserve. The, the Wallaroos had a huge season last year and, and they've kind of been lost around everything going going on in the super, uh, super Rugby season so far this year. Well, of course, the other news that came out over the weekend was Laurie Fisher stepping down from his role at the Brumbies at the end of this year. Lockie, you have worked with the man for a very long time and, and he's an integral part of Australian rugby. He's had a 40-year career, started at the Brumbies in, in 1999, head coach in 2005, made his way to Ireland, came back, was with the Brumbies again in 2012, moved to Gloucester, back again in 2017 to work with Dan McKellar where they got to the Super Finals in 2019, 2022, and then 2020 Super AU champs. Uh, and, of course, we can't forget, last year worked as a Wallabies assistant. This, this man has been uh, a huge part of Australian rugby and a huge part of your career, Lockie. What do you have to say about this you know, a huge character within Australian rugby? Yeah, I guess it's um, whatever I say, it probably doesn't do him justice, to be honest. So um, it feels a little bit weird. You don't want to waste words on him because it's common knowledge in the rugby world, not just Australia, but worldwide, how good a coach Laurie is. Um, everyone knows that. It's just a, it's just a given. Um, in terms of personally, um, his work ethic, rubs off on everyone around him in the organisation. Um, his detail is is 110%, probably the most detailed coach I've, I've by far ever had, but I'd probably find it harder to find a more detailed coach in world rugby. You, you talk about any player, any team, any game over the last six months, and he would have watched it. He will know every single player, every set piece, every team, every trend in rugby. He's just the atlas of, of world rugby, really. He's, he's incredible. Um, he's got international experience. Um, I, I don't think anyone would even come close to him in terms of that breakdown expertise and in, in that specific specific area. He just he, he is incredible at, at that. Um, and I think that's been, you know, the, the fundamentals and getting the basics right around the Brumbies game and success over the last decade, et cetera. Um, to, to be honest, the most important thing is now is, is not, obviously, is recognising Laurie and everything he's done for, for Brumbies and Australian rugby. Um, but more importantly, it's what, play, what we put in place now for Laurie because the worst outcome of this is losing Laurie to Australian rugby. You know, his knowledge and expertise has to be kept to help younger coaches coming through, younger players, whatever it is. He is what, you know, the rugby knowledge, you know, in his brain is is priceless. You you just can't replicate that. 
Um, and I just hope Australian rugby or wh- whoever it is in charge, you know, we use that and we find a role for him that, that suits him in, you know, his, his retirement kind of phase, but we don't lose him in, in Australian rugby because that would be the biggest waste after everything he's, he's learnt and, and cr- contributed over the last, you know, 30, 40 years. Lockie, can you give us your best Laurie Fisher anecdote? What's he like, at, you know, on a, on a Monday morning at a review or Saturday night after a win or even a loss? He, he does enjoy a beer. He does say it straight. Yeah. Um, Lord Laurie, can, tell us a bit about him. Oh, I've only got positive things to say about Laurie. I think... Um, one interesting thing for me personally was in 2014, I had Laurie at Brumbies and he wasn't very approachable um, f- for me personally. Um, he would, you know, obviously tell you how shit you played after it, you know, and would go through the clips. And I remember every single Monday, it was, I was so nervous going into the room to watch my eight to 10 clips of Laurie because you knew exactly, you knew like what you had it done right. You knew he doesn't miss a trick. So you knew exactly what was going to be on the clips. You know, the question was, mate, why aren't you getting off the floor faster here? What are you doing here? You know, why aren't you making your tackles better, et cetera, et cetera. But the growth for me was when I came back from the UK in 2018, 2019, he's just incredibly approachable, you know, to, to the fact where come downstairs, we'll chat in the over the coffee over a coffee and um, he'll say, mate, do you want to go through some clips? Um, Now as a coach, I go and catch up with him and say, mate, what do you think about this? Um, When I left the Brumbies, he printed out all his defensive principles and breakdown technique and he gave it to me and said, mate, this is my, you know, template, use this. So to me, um, I guess Every, everyone, you know, as we go through our career, we learn and we get better and we grow it, you know, in, in that role. But to me now, he's a complete package because he's always been the hardest working person in the office. He's always been the most detailed. He's always been the most ruthless around basics and fundamentals. He's always done that. But over the last few years, I think he's um, perfected also the people management and the approachable nature and the understanding nature and that side of his personality too, where now, now he's just priceless. He's got it all. Um, and, and, you know, working with different teams around the world and looking, that's something that the Brumbies have more than other teams in terms of every single time you go out to train, if you do not do the basics or the fundamentals right, that a lot of other coaches and players think, or oh, it's not important, but to Laurie, that's what win and loses games and wins trophies. And you know at training, if you don't do the most simple thing right, Laurie will be watching and bring it up. And you you just, I don't think there'd be a better coach that creates habits, you know, just the simple habits. But they're the habits that win rugby games. You know, it's not the fancy play or the, the miracle play. It's the fundamentals and the basics that, that Laurie has always prioritised. And, you know, he's just incredible in that space. It's interesting that you say that because last October, before the Wallabies go on there in the season spring tour, Laurie was filthy around the lack of basics in Australian rugby across the board. And and he was speaking from a Wallabies, a national perspective too. Look, the other element to this is this isn't a decision that's been made overnight. It's not a decision that was made 
after Eddie Jones decided that Laurie Fisher wasn't the person that he wanted on his Wallabies coaching ticket. He'd been thinking about this for a long, long time. I know that even as early as last November, I knew that this was going to be his last year. Um, and he's very selfless, all he wants. And, and I think one of the things that stands out to me is that when he was let go, he said on he posted on Twitter, I'm going to do everything I can so that the Brumbies players are the in the best position that they can go off and 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 be successful for the Wallabies at the World Cup. That's all he wanted to do was make sure that they're in the best position that they can fulfill their potential. I thought that just tells you and it typifies the man that's Laurie Fisher. Yeah. Mate, he's, he's incredible. And I think what you said before, it's a difference. A lot, a lot of coaches um, pick the player that does, you know, rocks or diamonds, et cetera, you know, does a special player but then doesn't really prioritise and show the importance of the basics. Laurie's always been the big supporter of, of the grafter or, the, you know, the Scott Fardy-style player that he brought back or these type of players that, um, you know, they might not have the the amazing genetics and and score the 50-metre try. But what they'll do is every single time they play on the field, they get the basics right and they do their job and you can trust them in their role. And, and you know, they're the style of players that the Brumbies have thrived on over years and years. And that is because Laurie has been a huge backer of those style of players. You know, so, so I just hope it would just be such a waste if Laurie's knowledge, and I know he might not want to do a full-time job, and I know he loves his fishing down the south coast and, and a few tins. Um, and James Slipper normally joins joins him down the coast for, for a fish and a beer on a Sunday morning. But he, I just we just can't we can't lose him to Australian rugby. He, he is especially as a as a young coach now, but for a lot of younger coaches around Australia, I don't think you could have a better mentor than Laurie Fisher because um, his knowledge, his expertise, and now how approachable he is and giving of his time and his, and his you know, IP, really, is, is, is just priceless. And it is something that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really fortunate to have, but I think all young coaches and, and rugby players within Australia will be in a better place if you can spend a few hours with a, with a Laurie Fisher. Hmm true servant of Australian rugby. And, and there's not many people in Australian rugby at the moment who uh, are as dedicated to the game as, as Laurie has been. And, and just a, a true inspiration, I guess, for young coaches to continue persevering. And, and the fact that he kept coming back to the Brumbies and to Australian rugby is a huge credit to him. Uh, we sometimes lose some of our most talented coaches overseas and, and it's a massive loss so for Laurie to leave and come back so many times it just shows the the character that he has and at the end of the day the love that he has for rugby in Australia and and, and his dedication to bringing the best out of uh, out of the Australian players well it's time to look back at our last buy round of the super rugby season and for Australian fans it was not pretty watching across the weekend the rebels trounced in the end by the crusaders the waratahs just absolutely smashed by the blues in auckland uh but we did see one win with the force getting over the highlanders in perth which was their first win over the highlanders in a decade which is uh great to see but to start us all off we 
we can't ignore the the result in Auckland, the Waratahs and the Blues. And for a lot of people, they wouldn't be surprised by the result in the end. The a young Waratahs team travelling across to Auckland to take on a Blues team that uh, are firing once again. And it does bring into question the Wallabies rest protocols, which saw quite a few of the players, Michael Hooper, namely, sitting out on that on the weekend. And Lockie, as a player, when you head over over to New Zealand or even just a crucial game on your trip towards a, a Super Rugby Finals, trying to clinch a top eight spot, if you head to a game and, and you know that some of your best players are sitting on the bench, that they 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 are they won't be putting on the jersey with you that weekend. Does it ruffle the the feathers? Does it does it you know? Are you a bit upset that you're not going to have the best team out there that weekend? And and uh, I guess you it could have a detrimental effect on your season. Or are you happy to to get the chance to to shine without them? Oh, I definitely think the latter. You know, you you can never be. No rugby player doesn't want to play. So that's the first thing, like it's taken out of their hands and it's for the bigger picture of obviously performing um, at, a, at a World Cup, which any super rugby player would be supportive of. Um, so, no, you know, at four years at Brumbies, I think Slips probably only trained two or three times um, or did a four week. So, you know, you, you never begrudge players for doing whatever individually they need to do to be at the best on, on a Saturday for um, the province or Saturday in terms of Wallaby. So, um, no, I don't think any player would begrudge it. And it just makes it, I guess, it's a, it's a tough situation for a young Waratahs team to go over. But at the same time, you look at it glass half full and it's a really good opportunity for some young guys to to get experience both in New Zealand, both versing a really top class team. Um, I'm sure a lot of them would have come off and thought, oh, the physicality was there, but the pace wasn't there. Or, you know, they can compare to what they've been playing at shield level. Um, and there's a lot of really good young players in that Waratahs team that are going to have big futures. Uh, I think Wilson and Bowen, that 19 combination, I wouldn't be surprised to see them both in a gold jersey in a couple of years' time together. Um, so there's there's a lot of positives and you've just got to be real about the situation. It, it's a tough arc with a full-strength team. Um, you take out a few a few quality leaders and experienced players and you just got to deal with it and do the best you can do. I think the if you look at it on the surface and you look at it for the here and the now, you've got Darren Coleman who's got a decision to go, well, when do I stand a couple of these guys down? It was absolutely the right call to stand them down against the Blues this week. Um, well, the weekend just gone by. They've had a Wallabies camp where, you know, a half a dozen players who would have played otherwise were up at camp, rushed back on the Thursday, uh, you know, the, the Wednesday evening, on the Friday morning, they're off to the Thursday night, they're off to Auckland. Um, it was a it was already a disrupted week. So it made sense. Are they going to win with a, a side that's already missing a handful of players with of injury? Probably not. So in the scheme of things, right decision. But look, look, Super Rugby, there's only 14 weeks or so in the Super Rugby comp as it is. Um, there's a buy that the Waratahs have had not too long ago. You compare it to... The, you know, the English Premiership or the French Top 14, you're probably playing 32, 33, 34 weeks of rugby up 
in the Northern Hemisphere. I know that they've only ever had one World Cup won by England up there. So you might look at what the South are doing, but are we like, is this a little bit ridiculous when you've, when players are only playing 14 games and a lot of guys that don't go on to play Wallabies level, they're only going to have potentially 14 new club games, 16, 17 games a season. Is it enough to really be able to, without that third tier underneath, and then I see, is it enough rugby? Yeah, mate, I'm no sports scientist. Um, but I think it is, you know, like, um, you know, they haven't rested players for two games to punish super rugby teams. You know, they've done it because they want players, um, I guess not peaking because you've got to peak to win super rugby finals also, but, you know, to be in a good state, um, you know, for World Cup time. and. I think as an Australian rugby supporter, you just got to buy in and do whatever it takes. Um, and if, you know, if that means that means the performance, you know, versus the Blues in Eden Park wasn't up to scratch or, or you know what they wanted, then you've got to you know possibly take one or two little losses, you know, in the scheme of things with a big win. So um, yeah, mate, I, I I don't know the studies and the research behind it. As you said, mate, um, I think the the Southern Hemisphere teams are, have peaked a lot better um, than the Northern Hemisphere teams come World Cup time. Um, so I'd keep doing what we're doing um, and just look at these um, rest weeks as opportunities to to get some younger guys, less experienced guys, opportunities at Super Rugby level and and look at it in that more positive note than, oh, you know, we lost to the Blues by 25, 30 points. And I know, I know it's hard. I know we want to win every game. I'm not, I'm not making excuses. But um, in the scheme of things for this year, I think they're doing the right thing, or at least they're trying to. Yeah. Well, uh, the other blowout of the weekend was the Rebels against the Crusaders. The Rebels came out of the blocks firing on Friday night and uh, it looked like it was going to be an upset down in Melbourne. They headed into the sheds ahead over the Crusaders and and Carter Gordon was the standout for the Rebels, but it it all seemed to fall apart in the second. They couldn't keep up and and it was a, a blowout in the end. As I said, Carter Gordon... The standout on Friday night, Christy. I believe you're a, a Carter Gordon fan. Is it too early to suggest that he takes a place on the on, or is he close to nabbing a Wallabies jersey? Is the World Cup too early to see him uh, in that gold jersey? Are, are we going to fall into the trap again of <laughs> putting a bit too much pressure on these young fly halves? There's a, there's a bit to dissect there. But firstly, I don't really subscribe to that fear. You're old enough, you're good enough. But but look, Quade Cooper or, or Bernard Foley are my out and out first choice tens at the moment. I think it's crazy to it would be crazy to throw a, a, a card of Gordon who hasn't played a test match into that arena. Do I think he'd be capable? Yeah, absolutely. He's a good player. He's a very good player who's getting better all the time. But He's battling it out with uh, Noel or CEO, in my opinion. I, I think it's between those two if there's a third 10, and there might not be a third 10 that goes. And that's the difficult reality of a squad of 33. Um, I think it's also one of the reasons why Eddie Jones has been looking at Ben Donaldson because he's a 
he's got a lot of potential. He can play 10 and 15. And if you're looking at the balance of squads and you're, and you're thinking about how you assemble a match day squad, someone who can play multiple positions in playmaking positions is really cr- crucial. But look, Carter Gordon, I think, is going really, really well. He he, he had moments over the weekend against the Crusaders. Um, I hope that they didn't think that they were on the brink of an upset at halftime. I don't think any side is on the brink of an upset until the 80th minute against the Crusaders. There's just way too much quality in that side. And, you know, winning teams know how to win from any position. And, you know, we've seen the All Blacks do it. We see Sam Whitelock sides always do it. Uh, he's a Trojan horse, that kind of guy. What impressed me about the, the Rebels was a bit of the physicality that they were showing. I think that they had a really clear game plan and understanding about how they wanted to play. But guys like Trevor Hosea and Josh Cunham, they're the sorts of guys. I, I liked what the Type 5 were doing in the first half. It allowed some of the the back row to flex their muscle. And to and, and to, we saw Brad Wilkin, you know, he's, he's, he's such a good player and he's getting better and better all the time with being able to stay on the field for longer. Um, but you could just sense that come the 50th minute, the Crusaders were starting to turn it, turn the screws. And I thought that the, I thought Kevin Foot put his interchange and his, his type five replacements on too late. They came on about the 57th minute. They needed to come on five minutes earlier. And, and we saw them lose a really crucial scrum on their own ball just before the Crusaders hit back. And that was so pivotal. And I thought, Five minutes earlier, if you if you put those front row replacements, your Pone Farmacillis on, your Cam Ors, your Jordan Walises, it could have been that just that second win that gets them before the Crusaders turn the screws. But they're playing some good rugby. It's a big game against Moana Pacifica this weekend. It's a game that they have to win if they're going to be featuring in the final series. But they're better than what the table is suggesting at the moment. Yeah, I, I agree with the forwards, Christy. I think. Um, I've been really impressed and I reckon it's been their biggest positive this year down in Melbourne, their forwards play, their set piece, their physicality and their tight five and their back row. I think Nick Styles has been really clever around some of the recruitment he, he's done down there. Um, some experienced tight five heads to really toughen that group up. And it's uh, it's been a big positive for me down in Melbourne, their, their forwards play. Well, the Rebels are coming... <laughs> I was going to say, Lockie, you, you've played with Noel Olseo. How do you think he's going in his headspace at this time? Oh, he's he's certainly question. not in. Yeah, yeah he's not in the headlines at the moment like some of the other players, but he's quietly going about his business pretty well, actually. He is, mate. No, I, I think that's when he plays his best footy, just when he lets his footy do the talking um, on Saturdays with Brums. Um, it's a tough one. You know, you, you talked about obviously Bernard and Quaid. Um, I'm a pretty big fan of experienced 10s and, and guys that can manage a game really smartly. Um, I'm actually, you know, I love Noah. Um, I, I think Carter's got a while to go, but he's got some really good potential. He backs himself, obviously, but just around that game management aspect of, of rugby, still a bit to go there, obviously, with experience that comes. I actually, I'm a big fan of Jack Debrasini. Um, and I know he hasn't played huge minutes, um, but whenever he has, I think he's made some really crucial decisions in in momentum swings around games. I think he's a really savvy, smart rugby player. I love watching Jack, and I think he controls the team really nicely in that 10 role. Um, so to me, if, if Bernard or Quaid 
weren't there through injury, I'd be including Jack into a squad because I think he's experienced playing around the world, an older head, knows what footy's about, knows how to win games, knows how to control momentum. I think he ticks all those boxes. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm a big fan of his. Um, and not taking anything away from, from Noah or, or, or Carter, um, both all good players in their own right. I'm just a big fan of, of the style Jack plays in terms of his his uh, control and game management and experience. Well, the third game of the weekend, well, the, the last game to round out the weekend was the Western Force and the Highlanders in uh, Perth. As I mentioned earlier, it's the first Force win over the Highlanders in a decade. And if you didn't catch it, there was plenty of yellow cards that got handed out that night. Uh, Nick Berry just going a bit crowd crazy there. Um, but in the end, the, high, uh, the the force got up and it was a it was a crucial win for them. They now sit uh, in the top eight and it's a bit of a logger jam in that top six, six uh, to 11 position where a lot of the Australian teams find themselves at the moment. But Christy, I know you wanted to touch on the force and, and the Simon Cron effect and just what he has brought to a team. I know he, had, he didn't quite get some of the big name signings that he was after. But what he's managed to do so far at the force has been pretty impressive. And as I mentioned, they are in the top eight position. And if they uh, go well over the next few weeks, there is a finals place for them. Yeah, I think there's a few similarities actually between Cronny and, and Laurie Fisher. They're both breakdown, you know, Nazis. They love it. They love the breakdown. And they and and Cronny is the sort of guy that um, demand standards and that's the sort of thing that Laurie Fisher and I know that Lockie was just talking about beforehand I, I just think that they're the accountability is coming in there and there's been a massive mindset mindset shift um they're look they're certainly no by no means the complete package um the the points that they've leaked over the last couple of months shows that there's huge growth there to be had but I think their 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 attack looks better this this year. I think, um, but the mindset they're hanging in the fight. They're playing into the 80th minute every every match, and that's really really crucial because that's how sides win. You know, there are so often games are won in that last 10 minutes, and even on the on the disappointing tour of New Zealand, they they scored the last try when all three matches across across the dish. Um, they fought against the Waratahs up until the last, you know, the last 20 minutes they were still fighting. And then clearly on the weekend, they showed with a bit more experience, guys like Bryce Hegarty, uh, I think it's the only franchise he hasn't been to is the Brumbies. Um, uh, he's been across everywhere in the world from Leicester up to Japan to Super Rugby. Just the rugby smarts to get the job done. And that's the sort of thing that, yeah, Michael Wells has been demanding as as the captain, but I, I like it. You're seeing guys like Jeremy Williams now really starting to step into a, a tight five position where previously he he didn't quite look like he was there. Young bloke going into his shoes, good coaching, uh, and and we've heard that good coaching element come from a lot of the players across uh, at the Western Force. So look, I think good positive signs ahead, and it's not just at the Force where seeing a bit more stability uh, at the Rebels with their coaching team re-signing, it's so important, I think, so important to have stability in coaching because you just toss away the game plan and the, and the player recruitment drive with every time that you, you turn away from a coach. So 
I think it's positive things for the Western Force. I'm not sure if they're going to go deep in 2023, but they've got some foundations to build on, which I think is a big thing. Yeah, it just kind of reminds me of of the game in New Zealand against the Hurricanes where the game was over. There was only a few minutes left, but they they kept fighting. And at the end of the day, the Hurricanes got the win, but they didn't get that bonus point. And that was purely because the force kept playing and they scored that try in those final minutes. And it was an outstanding try as well. And these are the moments, as you mentioned, that they're not winning the games now, but down the track, those are those big moments that will seal them again. And it's reminiscent of, of, you know, the Crusaders, the Blues. They play the full 80 minutes. They don't let the little things go. They play out everything. Lockie, what are your thoughts on on the force and and how they're going this year? Yeah, it was was good to see them get the win. Um, They're always hard to play in Perth. Um, They've got a great uh, supporter base over there in the West. So it was good to see. my my question or challenge would be around their their game in terms of they're playing a very Kiwi obviously with Crony there. Um, it looked like a game of touch footy at times on the weekend, back and forth. It was entertaining to watch, but um, come finals time, do they have a tight five? Do they have the set piece? Do they have the game management skills to win a finals game? Because yeah, it's entertaining. Um, yeah, I guess I guess there's combinations that are growing, and obviously, Cronny's first year there, um, that game's um, improving week to week. But I just haven't seen them actually lock down a game and and go into that really Crusader Brumbies finals mindset style of game plan in the last 15, 20 minutes. It's almost like you score, we score, and let's see who finishes at the you know in the 80th minute, which. If that's their game and they want to perfect that, then good on them and good luck to them. I just don't know if they've got that type five set piece game management um, style that they can go to depending on momentum in games and especially big games against top opposition. It's a, it's a good point, Lockie. Um, clearly, Isaac Roller would help if he was out in the field. He's hardly played a game in a, in a year's time. Um but we know that every franchise has injuries and, and that's the important thing. Recruitment was a big thing for them. They were lucky that they've managed to get back Santiago Medrano, but they certainly need more firepower up front. They're, they're light, they're lean. Um, we're seeing a couple of young props emerging. Um, Marley Pierce is, is a guy that's starting to come through there as well. Tom Horton at the force at the moment, clearly a, a former Waratahs player. Um, yeah. The, the, the issue I have with Australian Super Rugby sides at the moment is that with the exception of the Brumbies who have got three test locks, there's just not been a priority over second rollers, I don't think, in this country for a long time. And we saw it shift a little bit about five years ago. But you can't afford to lose your, your tall timber there because you've got no chance otherwise for your game lines, the whacking blokes like Dan Vickerman used to do. They're your engine. and and you know, Trevor Jose is coming through at the Rebels, but there's not enough. We've seen the Reds struggle without, you know, big guys up front in the type five. The Waratahs haven't recovered since, uh, since since 2016 or seven, 16 really. And then Skelton, when he left, was at Hammer Blow in 2017. They're so important. And that was one of the things that Dan McKellar, he begged Caden Neville to come back from, from Japan. This was a bloke who apparently struggled, was a toilet, was a super rugby journeyman who was just going around 
picking out jerseys along the way, but he identified the importance of second rowers. I think that's that's probably priority number one across the the five super rugby sides, I think. Yep. Um, I guess a, another point to touch on is that the force did bring in Izzy Anaitarani last week. It's a, a good signing, a, a former Wallabies player. So they do, they are getting some depth there. Of course, he's coming off injury himself. What are your thoughts? What does he bring to a force team, Chrissy? Oh, he's a good player, isn't he? He's if he can come back and have a good month or two, Jesus, like people like Jed Holloway might start getting pretty nervous because oh, I think Nostrani is a quality player. Six, eight, he's apparently going to potentially line up in that second row because because Tom Macron doesn't have enough firepower there and, and strength and muscle in the second row. But Nostrani would good get. Is it a short-term contract? I think it is. I don't know if he's necessarily going to be there beyond 2023, but if I'm the force, I'm trying to get him to re-sign. What did you think, uh, Lockie? You would have played against him quite a few times. If we played together, the Brahms, the, the, at the end of the day, the more Aussie players back playing in Super Rugby, the, the better. Um, so congratulations to the force for, for snagging back from Japan um, for a little bit. Um yeah, he, he probably suits the the force at the moment in terms of their their looseness and their um, you know uh, playing from anywhere around the field style. I know Izzy, you know he, he doesn't mind a pick and drive from his own half through the ruck. He looks for opportunities no matter what the what the clock says or, or where you are on the field. So he's that style of player. Um, he's pretty dangerous. Um, hopefully, obviously hasn't played for a while. He, he's ready to go and, and fit, and and the game fitness will pick up. As you said, he's a very different player. I find Jed and Ned, uh, those two experience-wise now, especially in that lock lock area, um, and and having some time overseas, both I reckon have gone to that next level. Um, but you know, if, if he has two good months, I'm sure he'll be knocking on the window for, for that squad. Um, he's got a huge amount of potential. It'll just be interesting to see if um, if Cronny can can get him playing at the best, and and if, if we can all see that potential. Mm. Will the, the force have the Reds away next up, which is going to be a huge clash? It's it's big for both teams. As I said, the force are, are currently in the eighth spot, Reds sitting sixth after they, they jagged that win over Moana in Samoa a few weeks ago. Um, the top eight is a logger jam, even uh, out to 11th. We've got Reds sitting in sixth and Highlanders, Force, Fiji, Tars and the Rebels rounding it out in 11. And uh, over the next few weeks, it's going to be a tough few weeks for a few of them. I think, uh, you know, the Reds have the likes of the Force, Chiefs, Blues, Highlanders, and the Force uh, Crusaders away, so too the Tars. It's a big few uh, weeks coming up. I guess the, the question is who rounds out that top eight? Do we see the Force snag that? eighth position do the tars get it going they've got the reds away and the crusaders away otherwise the rest of the games are at home highlanders this week surely they are licking their lips to try and get that that win after we saw what the force managed to do who are we seeing in that the final few places in that top eight oh i don't know what Lockie thinks i think I'm pretty sure the Brumbies are going to finish in the top four. I can tell you that. But look, I think the Force and Reds, if the Force don't win that, I think they'll struggle to make the eight. I think it's another must win for them. 
we know that the Reds are playing the Tars shortly up at North Queensland as well. Those couple of local derbies are going to be crucial for where where sides, if they can get seventh or eighth and potentially as high as sixth. Um, the Highlanders are clearly just around there. Fiji, uh, I think they're playing a game up at Churchill Park this weekend as well. So they'll be confident that they can get back on the winning horse playing at home. My hunch is that the Waratahs will come through pretty well. They've got a, a good-looking draw to finish with, four home games. Uh, yes, they have to go, I think, across the ditch to play the Crusaders. But with the exception of that, they're playing Fiji at home, Moana Pacifica at home. Uh, they're the sorts of things where you go, okay, we should be, if you're a Waratahs uh, player, if you're if you're a coach, you, you're you not banking them by any stretch. We know that the Brumbies have had a couple of frights against both Moana Pacifica and Fiji. But it's a side that you should realistically be going, no, we need to win. We can't sack it off at all. We've got to make sure that we nail these few games. And if you do that, you find yourself in in sixth, seventh position and you're one game away from a semi-final. So big, big kind of month or two to really separate. Um, you know, if you can, if if you're a Waratah side, you're thinking, where are the Brumbies finishing as well? Because you'd love to go down the Hume Highway, and that would be a blockbuster. I, I would Hope from an Australian perspective, maybe that doesn't occur because you you're always optimistic and you're wanting two sides to to enter into a into a semi-finals kind of mix. But I reckon the Waratahs, if they had to play anyone in that top four, they'd be obviously hoping that it'd be the Brumbies. No, mate, no one in Sydney likes coming down a that you know Canberra or the mountains in June, mate, unless it's to Threadbow staying in one of those penthouses down. <laughs> mate. I think they'd probably rather go over to New Zealand, but it, what a cracking six rounds to go! You know, there's only only five points separating separating six and eleven. Um, you, to me, I, I agree with you, Christy. There, if I'm tipping any of them to to finish strong and have a crack in the finals, it's the Waratahs. Um, to me, I'd love to see the Drua or, or Moana make the finals. I, I think. Um, you know, I think long overdue them being included in this competition and I love having them involved. But at the same time now you need to obviously as time goes past and we get continuity of coaches, they've got really good coaches with Mick Byrne and, and Aaron Major with Moana. But we now I'd just like to see them, I guess, start signing really top top tier players too. You know, they've got good coaches in place. They've got continuity now, you know, they're, they're – I've uh, got foundations. They're starting to play more rugby at, at home, you know, but not making the finals, the top eight, it, to me, it's uh, it's a bit of a failure, you know, in terms of adding these two teams into the, the competition. I'd love to see them in the finals. Um, and I just hope moving forward, um, I guess, the, you know, as time goes, time goes past, we can get some more quality players, Fijian players representing Drua, Moana players representing Moana Pacifica and see those two teams really fighting out for top four and semis instead of, you know, at the bottom of the bottom of the ladder. Mm. Yeah. I still, also with the that five to eight, I, I'm really interested to see how the Reds go because as we've talked about on previous podcasts, they can beat anyone on their day, but I'm just interested with a really pretty young squad and obviously a lot of movement there with Brad Thorne leaving. I'm not sure who the new head coach is, et cetera. That would worry me a little bit 
if I was within that circle, I think a young squad, coaches moving, no, no, you know, no one in place moving forward in terms of security, there that would worry me, you know, with the next six rounds. But I hope they surprise me. Hmm. Yeah, as you said, Chrissy, I, I'm I'm also on the belief that the Tars should come good over the next few weeks. You know, Highlanders at home, Rebels. We know the Rebels can cause an upset like they did earlier this year, but Rebels away from home, I just don't see it coming. And, and uh, you know, yes, they may have the Crusaders over in Christchurch, but Pacifica, Drua, some some games at home that they, they really should cement and with a bonus, you'd hope with a bonus point with some of these games. And I just feel like the Rebels, I can't see them taking away a few of these wins. Pacifica this week, but they've got the Brumbies the following week. They've got the Brumbies twice, actually, over the next few weeks. And that's just a hell of a, um, a way to finish off the, the back end of the season. And so, yeah. I'll tell you what, Lockie, uh, speaking of Fiji, the Fijians have got Moana Pacifica in the penultimate round and then they finish it off against the Queensland Reds and they're both at home. I reckon the Fijians uh, make it the top eight and I reckon they do it in the last day against the Queensland Reds. It, it could well come down to that last one there. You, you're probably going to find the Highlanders uh, in around that sort of mix too, but you could easily see a Waratahs, a Fijians and, and the Reds and Highlanders really battling it out for that, that eighth position, I would say. Mm. I hope you're right, mate. May all come down to the bonus points and, uh, and how crucial they will be. Uh, I guess to finish it all off, we should talk about the Super W season and uh, it's it's come down. We, we now know the final four and we're, we're hitting the finals this weekend. The Tars go through it all unbeaten, uh, a bit of a scare in uh, the penultimate round against the Reds, but they have come through unscathed. The Reds have sealed second place with a, a big win over Fijiana and the Brumbies have upset the force in Perth to, to make their first ever Super W final. So congratulations to the Brumbies. But I guess as we look ahead, it's the first four-team semi-final. The Tars are playing Fijiana and the Reds are the are the Brumbies. I hope I got that right. <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah. Yep. But funnily enough, they're both being hosted um, in, in Sydney at Concord Oval. So it's a doubleheader there. Interestingly, Britt, as well, that there's, for the first time this year, the it's not going to be very much, but it's been free entry up until this final round uh, or up until the finals, first week of the finals. So it's $15 from my understanding, not a huge amount of money, but if you want to go support women's rugby, it's a huge one there. You've got like a doubleheader with, and both those games are going to be top quality. We know that the Waratahs were pipped last year in the Super W final by the Fijiana. So great opportunity uh, this weekend to get a bit of a revenge, I, I say. Yeah, definitely. And uh, the Tars, they did uh, put them to the sword a few weeks ago. You have to remember the Fijiana are a much different side to what they were last year. And, um, I mean, even that Reds game over the weekend, they they kind of punished this Fijiana team at the end of the day. And the Brumbies, are, I, I can see this Reds-Brumbies game being a lot tighter than I guess people would suspect. This, this Brumbies team has been very impressive 
this year. I don't know, Lockie, have you seen much of the Super W, but these these Brumbies team have, have been very impressive and and have really stood up this season. That that game in over the weekend against the Force, they they scored five converted tries by half time. Yeah, they were red, red hot over there in the first half. I know they were excited. I caught up with Scotty Favor the week before. He's doing great work with with the Brumbies W team. Obviously, head coach of the oh, coach of the Wallaroos too. So he's um doing great work, great coaching in that in that space. Um, I think they'll get a huge crowd at Concord this week. Um, two cracker games. I think Tars will be too strong, but I think Reds and Reds and Brumbies will go either way. Uh, that will be a really tight one. So. Um, yeah, exciting times and and two two cracking games. Mm. And I think uh, we have to touch on, on on the Reds. They the last few years are um, always bridesmaids, never the brides. And I, I truly think that this year they have a, a really good chance. They should. This game on the weekend will be huge. Will be a really big test. But we saw just two weeks ago at Concord Oval, they took the Tars right to the final minute. It came down to a conversion in the end, which they they just couldn't slot. But realistically, if they get that final, if they get the spot in the final, they're in Townsville. And if it's against the Tars, I think it's going to be another massive game. And I'm just not sure if the, the Tars have the firepower really in that back line they're, they're just listen they've lost a bit of the structure that they had last year with uh with Arabella McKenzie over in the UK and uh I just don't think they they've got the rhythm that they have previously and the Reds meanwhile they have looked Cecilia Smith and Renee Nona and Carice Dallinger in their back line have they've just really stood up and just the the change that the fly half in in Carice has just been really impressive um, and I, I do think that the Reds, this could be their season. Yeah, uh, look, it, there was a bit of controversy in that one as well. And I know that there was a couple of Warwick Tarts fans not particularly happy with that uh, in that game when I think it was Shannon Parry kind of came through and, and unfortunately collected one of the players in the head. And, and one of the issues, and I'm interested with you, Britt, Clearly, there's there's not as many cameras. Um, there's not in these sorts of competitions um, because of how much costs the financing involved in that, um, the structure of the broadcasting, the whole shebang. Even from a perspective of uh, there's not able to have double headers all that often at Allianz because of the fact that there's only a X amount of games that are allowed at Allianz. Uh, when there's the Roosters or the A-League that's playing there at the same time. So anyone wondering about that? But is there going to be a bit more progression in regards to the camera angles around that so that it's officiated in the same way with the same kind of resources about the man in the next coming years? Or is this just a very slow and steady kind of uphill battle that they'll eventually get on top of, but it's going to take a little while? Yeah, well, at the start of the season, uh, they <laughs> I was made away. No, no TMO. Even when they are playing at Allianz, no access to TMO. If they're playing in those big stadiums, just because I guess you can't do it one week at Allianz and then go away to Concord and, and not have it that week. So it is unfortunate. I know, I know there was that moment in that Tars Reds game and Rosie Ebbage. <laughs> it appeared she. Uh, may have struck someone in the face. They, they've claimed it was an open heart, open palm slap um, and things got a bit uh, frosty out there. But 
uh, in the future, they, they're going to have to do something there because you can't have a, a top tier women's competition and, uh, you know, the refs are, are going in blind, especially around those moments. And um, I was only made aware they were doing the, the blue card system. It's only this year that they've introduced the, the head knock. Doc, they've got the doctors on the sideline for the concussion test. Previously, it was just a blue card system, and which is essentially what, uh, you know, club rugby is. Um, so there's still a long way to go, especially if you if they want to do a combined competition with the, the New Zealand teams, they're, they're going to have to look at these things and, and make a call on uh, taking that next step of, of introducing the camera angles and introducing all the things that the, the men have in their game and, you know, taking the, the women's competition up that, that next level um, and really equalising it, I guess. Lots of shoot shield hospital cap, the the whole shebang and some big super games this weekend. Where are you going to be, Lockie? Um, mate, I'll be at David Campisi Oval, mate, versus the reigning champs, Queen Bee and White. So, um, mate, keep me in your tub. Certainly will. Doing good things down there. How did you go on the weekend? Tell us. Mate, we had the bye. That's why I headed down the coast, mate. So, you've got to... When you're, when you're doing footy, you've got to make sure you get a weekend off, you go do something. Otherwise, uh, the missus and the kid will remind you, mate, for the rest of the season. <laughs> Good advice. Good advice. Join Lord Laurie Fisher down there for, for a tinny, I suppose. Definitely. Well, uh, that's all we've got for you. And, uh, you know, another weekend of Super Rugby coming up. Uh, the bye weeks are over. So we're back to a full pack schedule. I hope everyone enjoyed the uh, the four fixtures a week we've had the last three weeks because we're we're back into it and uh, plenty more rugby coming to you. So thank you again for Christy for your joining us and uh, as always, Lucky. Thank you for coming on again this week. Thanks, Brent. Thanks, Christy. Enjoy Tasmania, mate.